0: Need a high end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. We all got it, and what are we gonna do with it? That's right, I'm talking about your molding and your trim. First things first, molding and trim is so great because it sort of outlines your room at the bottom at least around the doors around the windows and sometimes even at the top with some kind of crown or upper molding it's very important and often forgot about it and today we're going to talk all about it i'm betsy helmuth and this is mad for molding molding takes a lot of wear and tear now let me first before we dive in and i answer all your burning molding questions define molding and trim for you you probably know but in case you don't molding is baseboards so that's that trim that's attached to the bottom of your wall crown molding which is at the top of the wall it's around your doors like the door jam often has that molding around it it's around your windows in terms of the sills and when you're thinking about painting Built-ins are also the same color and finish as your molding. So if you have a built-in bookcase, if you have a built-in radiator cover, that is considered a trim or molding in terms of the way that you paint or finish it. There you go. Why do we need molding and trim? Not just to outline our space and make it look beautiful, but also because it hides the seams. So where the wall meets the floor, where that sheet rock touches the wood flooring or carpeting, where the ceiling touches the sheetrock of the wall, where the door is installed into the hole next to the wall so that you don't see the seam of the jam. Same with the windows, that you don't see the edges of the windowsill, which would look raw and would not flow with the space. Additionally, trim gets a lot of action. So we use the doorknob a lot and our fingers touch the door and the doors trim our boots scuff the baseboards, our windowsills, if you live in New York City, get covered in black soot. And so we need it to be a very durable surface, meaning that I almost always paint trim in a semi-gloss finish, because semi-gloss is very forgiving in terms of, I can take a magic eraser, I can take a sponge, I can take a paper towel, and I can scrub it without ruining the finish. So when I'm thinking about treating a molding, I go for some kind of very durable finish because I know that my molding and trim takes a beating. And when we're thinking about that trim color, just like with the built-ins, I paint the doors, the interior doors and closet doors, the same color as the trim. I don't paint them the same color as the wall. So I just wanna be clear because it's not technically a trim, but it should be treated as such. Now, what inspired me to talk about molding today? Tanar, a listener from Seattle, wrote in with lots of molding questions. And Tanar, I'm going to answer them all for you today. So let's dive in with your first burning question. The first one that you asked me is what places must have molding? What places should never have molding? 90% of spaces, I'm just going to say 99, I'm going to go for it. 99% of spaces should have some kind of molding. Like I said, I don't want to see the seams where the floor meets the sheetrock, where the door was inset in a hole in the wall. So that trim will help cover it. Now, you don't necessarily need decorative molding. So decorative molding is molding that doesn't really serve a function, but it's just there to look cute. So people often have very decorative trims in terms of their crown molding, which is that upper molding we were talking about. It sometimes has little notch marks in it called dental molding, which is very traditional and kind of a throwback. If you're visiting an old Brooklyn brownstone, you might see lots of ornate carvings in terms of little acorns on a banister or um, swirls in a baseboard that's particularly high, like something that's higher than four inches would be considered very high for a baseboard. Almost every place has some kind of trim. The places that don't have any kind of trim are typically a converted factory or loft. For instance, my office does not have trim, so you can see where the door was just inset because that kind of raw look is very in. They want it to look like it was converted. Another place where you don't need a lot of molding is in any modern style architecture. For instance, A very modern building that's meant to look clean and simple. Certainly, you do not need that upper molding. And if you are going to have baseboards, then they should just be very clean, very simple, without any ornate carvings, without any beveled edge, just something straight, clean, and simple. But still, you're going to have some molding. So, Tanar, I hope you have molding. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Does all the molding in my house have to match in terms of its color, style, and thickness? Ideally, ideally yes, Tanar. It would all match because your house is all one thing. However, sometimes people have add-ons to their house. So maybe it was a different era and you can't get the same moldings and trim when you added on that piece. For instance, my house has an added-on covered porch, and so it has very modern trim in terms of a lower-than-four-inch baseboard, and the rest of my home has a higher-than-eight-inch baseboard. Hello! Um, So there's that. It does look incongruous and makes your house look a little choppy. So I highly recommend having the same molding and trim on the floors. So the first floor would have the same molding and trim, and the second floor could have a different molding and trim. I don't really love it when people just put crown molding in one room. A lot of my clients that have apartments where crown molding is not innate want to put it in just so that it looks really special. But if you just put it in one room, it looks artificial because molding was an architectural feature meant to be consistent throughout. So like I said, I'm fine with the different floors having different treatments, so Floor one has one kind of molding and floor two has a different kind of molding because oftentimes floor one and floor two have different ceiling heights. For instance, my ceiling height on my first floor is higher than my ceiling height on my second floor. So it's fine that one has crown and the other one doesn't because one's a little bit lower. Speaking of lower ceilings and crown molding, so a lot of my clients are kind of addicted to crown molding. They really want it, they think it's going to jazz up their place, but you really shouldn't have it if you only have standard height ceilings. And standard height ceilings are eight feet. So if you have ceilings that are eight feet, You should not have crown molding because it's going to make your walls look smaller make your ceilings look lower because it cuts the wall meaning that the actual paint color there's less of it now if you have ceilings that are higher than eight feet i think crown can really elevate a space but it is meant for somebody who has more of a traditional aesthetic it is meant for more of a pre-war apartment i would never put it in a modern bushwick loft so there we go. Hopefully that answered that one. Your final question, Tanar, was when is it okay to use non-white molding? I have an all-white laundry room and I thought about using pine or some kind of light wood molding. First things first, I never use all-white molding. I'm always using a color that's a little bit off because I reserve all-white for the ceilings. So that pure, crisp white, I do only on the ceilings, and then I will do a creamier white or a grayer white if I have a modern style space for the trim. For instance, in my pre-war home, I just used atrium white. Can you tell I just moved in? I've got my home on the brain. Uh, So I used atrium white, of course, in that semi-gloss finish we were referring to. When I used to work for a high-end design firm, he always used china white, which is a little bit more saturated. It just looks more special and more considered and less rental chic in other words something that you've actually kind of designed and thought about if you do a color that's not just white but it can be a derivation of white like I was saying atrium white china white now using wood for molding not a fan certainly not pine unless you have a country house or a cabin and you're trying to create that kind of rustic effect or unless you have a beautiful brownstone and have its traditional mahogany molding. So if your wood is very special, then I will let you have all wood molding, or if this is your rustic country house in Seattle, Tanar, I will let you have pine molding. Otherwise, you really should paint it because it's just going to look fresher, more contemporary, and it's going to be easier to clean in the long run because if all else fails, you can just paint back over it. So I hope that answered your molding questions. Design. TMI. So here's a little TMI for you. Molding can be beautiful. It can outline your space, give everything definition. You can choose a nice off-white color that looks so designerly. But if you're in an old space like I am, your molding is probably craptastic. It's probably been painted 1,600 times. That may be an exaggeration, work with me. It's probably got nicks and dents from people pushing furniture into it, from people ramming into the door. Does anybody do that? But it's not perfect, it's not pristine, and it's very hard to rip it out and put in new trim because you have to do something higher, the wall will be marred underneath. So even though it's something that's a beautiful outline, sometimes we just want it to recede in the background. And how do we make bad trim that has nicks, dents, been painted over a million times, recede into the background? The best way to do it is by picking a stronger wall color. That way the wall color will steal the focus and the trim will fall in the back. If you feel hesitant about picking a stronger wall color, then just pick some fun accents in your room. You really don't want the trim to be the star, so you need to make sure you have pillows, you need to make sure you have artwork, other things for people to look at. Because I just finished painting my house, my trim is tragic, and when the house was empty, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. So the more I add touches that look unique, the less people are looking at the sides of my floor and the top of my ceiling. So the last point is sometimes people think that a trim will recede into the background if you paint it the same as the wall color, and that is just not ideal. Trim is meant to be different, and a lot of rental spaces do this. They just get one big five-gallon tub of whatever's cheapest at Home Depot and slap it up all over your apartment. And that's what it looks like when you do that. So make sure that your trim is a different tone than your wall color, and go forth and paint. This has been Mad for Molding, and if you'd enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. And of course, you can always catch our next exciting episode next Tuesday when we will be discussing your search for style. I'm Betsy Helmuth. Check us out at BigDesignSmallBudget.com. And as always, keep your questions coming at Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com. We'll see you soon. A fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for five dollars and ninety-nine cents a month and get full access to an archive of over fifty bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. Bye.